I don't think Garth understands how viruses work. Hello and welcome to episode number 155 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts.com online. I'm your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking a little bit about Garth Brooks, Taylor Swift, Amazon, both failing me once again, Amazon reviews, Amazon brick and mortar, how the governments are watching you online and what's going on with that data apple and google online freedom and a whole lot more but garth brooks will lead us off today he canceled a bunch of stadium shows that were scheduled of course because of the rona the big scary rona so garth decided it was in the best interest of everybody involved for him to cancel the stadium shows and instead, he has decided to play dive bars, which I don't think Garth understands how viruses work, but that's okay because he's a country music singer and not a doctor. But maybe somebody might want to inform Garth that the big arena shows where you're playing outside way safer when it comes to virus transmission of any site than playing inside in a small venue like a dive bar of course garth will tell you that it's way easier to make sure everybody coming in to the dive bar are vaccinated which is one of the deals if you want to go see garth you have to show that you're fully vaccinated for at least 14 days or you have to show proof of a negative COVID-19 PCR test from within 72 hours prior to the show or a negative antigen test from within six hours at the dive bar. Because, you know, usually at bars, the people really understand things like fake IDs and fake COVID cards and reading test results from COVID tests. No, I don't get it, Garth. I think you're going over the deep end with this one. I don't think it makes absolutely any sense to be canceling stadium shows that would be have been held outside in the fresh air where you have a plethora of ventilation. Instead, you're going to bring a bunch of people into a dive bar so they can sit on top of each other inside. And it makes no sense because the reality is the data is showing that people who have been fully vaccinated can still acquire the virus. And as such, they believe those people can also pass the virus on to others. It seems that the vaccinated folks are getting a less severe disease. But if you're trying to prevent spread to people where they might have a very negative reaction like severe illness or death, then playing in a dive bar, Garth, way dumber than playing outside to a much larger group of people. But Garth is not a scientist. He does sell a lot of records, but those aren't selling for much. 
was an interesting thing. I randomly was looking for some Taylor Swift stuff on eBay and noticed the massive prices that some of the Taylor Swift gear was going for, including vinyl records, including some lithographs that she's put out over the years. And I wanted to see by comparison where Garth would come into this. Because there's some Taylor Swift records that are going for hundreds of dollars. I may have mentioned on one of the last shows that I always wanted to pick up one of the promo pressings of Taylor's album, Red, which was only sent out to the people that voted in the Academy of Country Music Awards because those were the only ones that were ever pressed on red vinyl. And when this first came out, I would look at eBay and be like, oh, they're, you know, 100, 150 bucks. And I thought that was too much. They'll probably come down, I thought. <laughs> and um, follow that a little more. I remember reading uh, eBay at one point and seeing, oh, they're up to a few hundred bucks a piece now. The last that sold on eBay are going for up to $2,000 now. So the price just keeps going up, up and up, which seemed really crazy but it's a promo item that was never sold to fans and then i noticed there was a copy of her album that came out a few years ago called reputation it came out as both a double picture disc set which i bought a bunch of because they were on ebay for like nine bucks a piece ship so i got a few of them framed they're hanging up they look really cool because picture discs aren't really known for sounding good but they also released a version for FYE, which is an electronics type store, I guess. I've never shopped at FYE, but I did. I bought a copy of the Taylor Swift on orange vinyl of Reputation and let that sit in with all my records. It's been sitting in there for about the last three or four years, whenever it came out, I believe 2017. And the last one that sold on eBay sold for a grand. Yeah. A $50 album, double album set when it came out four years ago, now selling on eBay for a grand. So Taylor Swift stuff, really picking up value. Forget Bitcoin, forget baseball cards, forget other kind of collectibles. Taylor Swift stuff is where it's at. And I was curious because Garth put out a set a couple of years ago, which had seven CDs seven LPs and you could get numbers. They were all limited numbered editions if you wanted, and you can get a number that meant something to you, which they were pushing, which I thought was cool. And we ordered these when they came out, three of these boxes for a hundred bucks, 103 bucks. I think it was, so it was about 35 bucks per box, which if you're going to listen to the music, seven vinyl LPs, seven CDs, I think, well worth 35 bucks even if you're going to use them as frisbees but i decided to go look and like well all the taylor swift stuff is rocketing up in value what has been going on with the garth brooks stuff so again one of these box sets seven lps seven cds brand new still in a shrink wrap delivered to your door on ebay what do you think Eleven dollars and fifty cents. Yes, Garth. Eleven dollars and fifty cents. Seven CDs, seven LPs, delivered, delivered to your door. 
Yeah. So the Garth stuff not really going up in value. The Taylor Swift stuff is maybe it's just that Taylor's way cuter than Garth or a much better songwriter. And I don't know the politics on both of them. I don't really like, but that's okay because if I only listen to artists that I like their politics, I really wouldn't listen to a lot of music. But the moral of of this story is if you have some Taylor Swift stuff that you bought and it's kind of stashed away somewhere, now's the time to go look for it and get it up on eBay if you want some cash. But Amazon failed me yet again. And I know I complained about this here on the Random Thoughts podcast not too long ago when I ordered my uh, Miss Pretty Pretty Nail Fixer Thinger because I had broken a nail. And I know, first world problem, but it was going down the nail and it would have been a real pain. And it worked, so that was good. But it came down to Amazon promising that they could deliver stuff in a time frame where they could not. And I mentioned that happened with something else. It was like twice in a row that Amazon was really happy that they could get me the stuff the same day. And then it turned out, no, not so much. Well, yesterday I was on Amazon and asked my wife because her birthday's coming up and she's been really into the Lego stuff lately. And she had wanted one of the Lego Harry Potter advent calendar things. I don't know. But I saw that, you know, oh, you want, well, let me order that. And I didn't want it yesterday. I didn't need it yesterday. But when I went in to order the thing, Amazon told me, hey, if you can order within the next five minutes, literally, it said that if you can order within the next five minutes, we could have it to you today between five and 10 o'clock. So I ordered within the next five minutes. And they said they would have it to me between five and 10 o'clock. But do you think they got it to me within five to 10 o'clock? No, no, they did not. It was another case of Amazon dropping the ball, promoting something that they could not deliver. I didn't care. I didn't want to get it that soon. I didn't need it that soon. There was no reason. But Amazon said we can do it. So I decided, let's see if they can. And no, three times in a row now, Amazon, that's a strikeout in baseball terminology. Three times in a row, you have failed to provide what you offered. It wasn't even something that people cared about or really, really wanted, but you offered it and you put it out there and then you couldn't deliver, which just makes you look bad. And it was another case then this morning. It was delivered at like 530 in the morning again. So who is doing these Amazon deliveries? I feel bad. Or maybe I shouldn't. Should we feel bad for the people doing the Amazon deliveries in the middle of the night? Or is that a better gig because there's less traffic and you don't have to deal with people mostly that you could just kind of do your thing in the dark of night, moving up and down the city streets to deliver your Amazon wares? Maybe, maybe that's a better gig. Maybe that's a better time to do the delivery. I don't know. But they got here and it was raining this morning. So it's always nice too when the Amazon delivery folks leave the box right at the front of the porch where the front step is, where it's getting rained on rather than tucking it in right next to the door, you know where it wouldn't get rained on. 
But, you know, we're picking on Amazon. It's not like they're ruling the world. It's not like they're taking over everything. Uh, well, I guess they kind of are. Amazon reviews were back in the news again. My buddy Bandrew, who does a really excellent show, both via podcast apps that you may be using right now or over on YouTube called the Bandrew Says Podcast, talked a little bit more about the Amazon reviews. And I know I've really railed about that a few times. And he made some good points as well about why you cannot trust Amazon reviews at this point, because even people who aren't considered good reviewers or reviewers at all are getting offers now for companies to give them free merchandise if they will do a review. And he ran into this with a microphone company, one of these Chinese microphone companies who really rely on reviews you get people to buy stuff and when somebody bought a microphone a little coupon was in there like hey do you want another free microphone all you have to do is review and what that ends up doing of course is incentivizing people just to leave a five-star review in order to get a free product and then you the sucker that comes along after that and ends up spending your hard-earned money for the product then you're the one that's kind of left out in the cold. So check out Bandrew's podcast. Some good stuff. If you like audio gear, especially, you need to be on his show and on his podcasted YouTube channel for all the really cool gear reviews. Getting back to Amazon, it appears that they are going to be expanding their brick and mortar footprint. This time, opening up a few shops that will be selling clothing which from what I can gather is mainly going to be maybe exclusively going to be from brands that Amazon themselves run, which is kind of an interesting concept. This is a secret plan, I guess, which was just unveiled recently. The first couple of stores are slated for San Francisco, California and Columbus, Ohio. They're trying to increase the brand recognition on the brands that they control, that they own. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you probably know that Amazon has their own brand names if you buy things from Amazon online, but they're not always Amazon branded, meaning I just ordered some rechargeable batteries the other day, which had the Amazon logo on it. And that's pretty easy to tell because it's an Amazon brand and it says Amazon, but they own a bunch of companies. When it comes to clothing now, it appears that that is over a hundred different labels that they're selling under. And if you don't know who the company is, there's no way you would really know that it's an Amazon company. We've bought some coffee from a company that was branded as Salermo or something like that which is an Amazon brand. So you never really know without looking this up. If something, it could be Amazon selling it and it could be an Amazon brand, but it doesn't say Amazon. It says something entirely different. Well, they're trying to get people to have some kind of brand recognition for their clothing brands, which kind of makes sense. And they're talking about wanting to address some of the irritants of shopping online. Which, if you're shopping for clothes online, you may have problems finding the exact fit. I do when it comes to shoes. 
I'm a size 15, so that's fun to begin with. Not everybody even goes up that high. But the Reeboks usually fit really well. Things like Nike and Adidas, well, they may not be as well. So you may need to adjust and get a little bit bigger or a different size. And you can't just order something feeling confident that it's going to be the right fit. Amazon does do a pretty good job of doing free returns on that kind of stuff. Some people don't seem to mind that. For some people, it seems like a major inconvenience to be like, well, I'm going to order three different pairs of shoes and the one that fits best I'll keep and the other two I'll send back to Amazon. And that's really not good for Amazon or any company to be getting returns because you have to process them and then selling those as new. Well, you can't because somebody had them and it's a big mess, but they're trying to cut down on returns by having a brick and mortar store. And they were talking about going into more technological things in the dressing rooms and having the ability to just scan things with your phone. And then the employees at the store would gather what you want to try on and they'd bring them to you in your size and all of this other. And it's an interesting concept. It's going in a complete different direction, obviously, than buying something online. So that may be good. I mean, now that Amazon's put all the brick and mortar stores out of business, they can start opening up their own, I guess. But when it comes to the clothing sales, this is something I had not realized, although I had not really thought about it. But Amazon is now the largest seller of clothing in the United States. They passed Walmart this year. So Amazon selling more T-shirts, underwear. If you can wear it, Amazon is selling it. According to a Wells Fargo report, Amazon's total sales of clothing and shoes, because those are lumped together, including the third party brands that they sell. So this isn't just Amazon selling its own brands. This is everything Amazon sells online when it comes to clothing and shoes combined will surpass forty five billion dollars. That's billion with a B in twenty twenty one. They first had their own Amazon branded Amazon label in 2016. Like I said, now over a hundred different brands. And there are some brands that just don't want their merchandise sold on Amazon because of they fear the data with that Amazon can get. And this is a story that's been going on over the last few years. It's that there've been a bunch of products that Amazon covers. And since they are the store, Amazon gets to see obviously all the products that are going out the door. And once Amazon realized how many, say, batteries were being sold, all of a sudden you start seeing Amazon branded batteries. So when you go into Amazon now and you click, hey, I want to buy some batteries, what do you think the first thing that's coming up is? Which brand? Which brand do you think has the best pricing? Which brand do you think is kind of pushed, pushed, pushed by the algorithms? Of course, it's Amazon's own brand. So they have a very unfair advantage when it comes down to having the data, seeing who's buying what, seeing what products are popular, and then being able to create their own line of whatever and start selling those to compete with people that are in the same space. So it's kind of a damned if you do and damned if you don't thing. If you're selling merchandise, 
so many people buy things on Amazon that you almost have to be there if you want to compete. But the end result may be Amazon uses that data against your company. They create a knockoff of whatever you're doing and then starts taking your market share away. Now, one of the things they were talking about was the dressing rooms being very high tech. And I'm not really sure how that would work or what my comfort level on something like that would be. They were talking about things like maybe having touch screens where you can then request a store employee bring you something else, having a way for that merchandise to get to you, of course, without the store employee seeing you in your skivvies, all that kind of thing. And this was an article on the Wall Street Journal that covered a lot of this. And I normally don't read the comments on stories because the comments usually break down into total blather and aren't worth anything at all. But the first one was from a guy, I believe his name was Michael, who posted, quote, my idea for a high tech dressing room is to have a large TV in portrait mode, taller than wide. Thanks for explaining what portrait mode is, Michael. It would show you a front view, back view, side view, and 45 degree view. Now, that seems like a really great idea until you wonder who's in charge of making sure that these cameras in the dressing room, which are feeding this magical big TV, who's in charge of making sure those cameras do not get accessed by anybody in the outside world. Because I don't know. I don't want to go into a dressing room. I don't think anybody out there wants to go into a dressing room, strip down into your skivvies, spin around a few times while there's a bunch of cameras on you that might be feeding somebody in the outside world. The next guy to comment said, quote, sounds like hackers of the world will have a new target. Yeah. The high-tech dressing room now with 14 different cameras. So you can be blackmailed, embarrassed. Your privacy is gone. Your privacy is shot. Well, it's gone online anyway. And we'll get to that in a moment. So Amazon, the brick and mortar things, it's an interesting concept. They are already in a few markets, including Chicago, with a convenience store model that allows people to walk into the store, take whatever they want off the shelves, and walk out without having to deal with any cashiers, without having to deal with anything. It's all automatically done. You're scanned coming in. You got an app on your phone, however they're doing it. You take whatever you want. They're tracking what you're doing in the store. And when you walk out with the merchandise, you automatically get charged for it. Unlike, you know, what's going on in Chicago and places in California and New York, I'm sure, where gangs of people are just walking into stores and taking whatever they want and walking out because, you know, nobody will prosecute you anyway. Yeah, see, at Amazon, they actually want you to pay for the stuff. They're really greedy that way. They don't want you just to take the things and leave and not pay them. But you can do that in a lot of cities now. So enjoy all the free merchandise. It's really not even a crime unless you take over $1,000 or something in most places. But I digress. It'll be interesting to see what Amazon does in this space. I can see it being somewhat successful just due to the fact 
that a lot of people do like to try clothes on. I don't have that problem. I just order big T-shirts and shorts and jeans, and I don't really have to worry. I'm not getting the skin tight look or anything or trying to fit in to something three sizes too small. I just go for comfort. But your mileage may vary. Now, getting back to exactly how much privacy you have online. It is something that most people never think about, and they should. There was an article which talked about Internet freedom being on the decline. The Freedom House, a Washington, D.C. based democracy advocacy group. See, and no, these guys are going to be on the up and up found that Internet freedoms have declined for the fifth straight year in a row in the United States and in the 11th year internationally for two distinct reasons, they say. Domestically, the lack of regulation in the tech industry has allowed companies to grow beyond reproach and misinformation to flourish online. Of course, what they're referring to as misinformation is probably the exact opposite of what I would consider to be misinformation, and this is where a big problem comes in. When you are talking about free speech and when you're talking about freedoms online abroad, they say authoritarian governments have harnessed their tight control of the Internet to subdue free expression. Well, that's exactly what they're trying to do here. If you disagree with the CDC, if you disagree with the Biden White House, if you disagree with any of the liberal talking points, most likely you're going to be losing your freedom. Of course, this goes on. The Freedom House cited a growing lack of diversity among sources of online information in the U.S. that allowed conspiracies and misinformation to rise, an issue that was gravely underscored during the 2020 elections and the 2021 insurrection at the Capitol. Again, I'm thinking they're thinking exactly the opposite of what I am thinking. Which is the problem when you start stifling any speech? Then you have the problem. This concept that we must stop misinformation is a fallacy. Stopping misinformation kills free speech, period. There's no other way around that. If you are going to try in your attempt to take misinformation and banish it from existence, you are going to do more harm than good. And again, who gets to decide who is in control? Who gets to decide who gets to say what is information and what is misinformation? In Russia, we know who that is. In China, we know who that is. And we've talked about what China is doing in the video games, spear and uh, what's this? You know, the video game, you have spears in a video game. It would be a video game severe i need to enunciate a little bit better but russia put apple and google under a bunch of pressure recently due to an app that was posted in both of their app stores now for again if you're living under a rock you don't know that a vast majority of smartphones use app stores to provide the phones that people are on with the different programs the different apps that they want to run there's really about two choices when it comes down to where these app stores are, who's controlling them. One of them's Apple. One of them's Google. Now, a company put out an app aimed at the Russian market, which was to do nothing 
but try to oppose President Vladimir Putin and his whole bunch of cronies. And Vladimir and the boys decided, no, we don't want this application to be available to people in Russia. So Apple and Google both nixed the app. It's gone. You can't get it in Russia. No more does this app exist. And they're taking a bunch of heat for this, which, again, is because people don't understand that the world is a big place where there are different jurisdictions, where there are different laws, which is the concept of all things falling under one law doesn't work. This is the problem with social media, where Twitter and Facebook decide to do things in some areas of the world. They're saying what they're doing is not legal. And this becomes a huge problem because the Internet doesn't stop at borders. But there are ways to geofence things where you can tell where the phone is, which is why VPNs are a thing where people try to spoof where their phone thinks they are. In this case of the Russian app, which was called smart voting, when it was decided that Russia, the government, didn't want it, they went to Apple, they went to Google, and said remove it. Now, there have been cases in the past where Apple and Google have gotten this kind of a response from a government, and they went, eh, we'll ignore you. In this case, the Russian authorities start showing up at the locations that Google and or Apple had in Russia and enforced a warrant. And when Apple and Google were still not being maybe responsive enough, the Russian government said, we're going to start arresting your employees in this country as a result of you not obeying this app takedown order. So Google and Apple then acquiesced and removed the application. And there's still people giving them a lot of crap for it. And there's plenty of reasons to give Apple and Google a bunch of crap. But in this case, I don't think they had any other choice. I don't think there's anything else Apple or Google could do when the Russian government decides that if you don't do what we say, we're going to go after your employees that are within our borders and we are going to jail them. Now, maybe Apple and Google want to round up all of their employees in Russia and get them out of the country and then start doing business a little bit differently. But until then, I think they did the right thing by keeping their employees out of jail. But this is something you need to understand that governments in local areas have a lot of control over what goes on within their borders, even though you might think like, ah, well, Apple, Google, these are American companies. Screw them, Ruskies. Yeah, that's all fine and dandy until you realize they have employees in Russia and in China, I'm assuming. And there's really only so much they can do to go against authoritarian regimes like that. And hey, we're going to have an authoritarian regime like that in the United States. We kind of are getting there now if people don't wake up. So uh, get used to communism. Get used to socialism. 
get used to having absolutely no freedom of speech and you'll just be a few steps ahead of everybody else. And before we thank the executive producers of today's show, I did want to mention another story that I had read earlier about a program, a software called Shadow Dragon, which is being used in the United States and I believe elsewhere to monitor people, to monitor your social media. This is being used by law enforcement. These companies are licensing this software out for hundreds of thousands of dollars. In the case of some of the federal agencies, it appeared that maybe millions of dollars were being spent on this software, which basically scrapes all of the publicly available social media sites out there and allows law enforcement on all sorts of different levels, including down to the state and local level, to get a pretty good picture of what any person has posted online, including deleted posts. Now, this I thought was the most interesting thing about this software, which is it's been chugging along now for years, making copies, making an archive of a bunch of the social media sites, different internet sites where people post comments, people post reviews. The list is long and it includes AOL Livestream, Amazon, BitChute, Blogger, Busted Mugshots, BuzzNet, Crunchbase, Daily Motion, DeviantArt, eBay, Etsy, Facebook, Flickr, Foursquare, Gab, GitHub, Goo, Google, Google Plus, Huffington Post, ICQ, IMVU, Image Shack, Instagram, Instructables, LinkedIn, LiveJournal, LiveDoor, Mail.ru, MeWe, MySpace. Wow, is MySpace still around? OkCupid, Pandora, Pastebin, PayPal, PGP, PhotoBucket, Pinterest, Pornhub, Reddit, Reverb Nation, Skype, SoundCloud, SourceForge, Spotify, Steam, Telegram, Tinder, TripAdvisor, Tumblr, Vimeo, Vine, Weibo, Yahoo, Yelp, YouTube, Zillow, and more. So if you've ever posted anything onto any of those properties, it is in this database, even if you have deleted it. And law enforcement is able to put together a background on almost anyone. There was a quote in the article, which was on the Business Insider site, which quoted somebody within law enforcement that said, what normally would take us a couple of months to put together when it comes to a background report, when it comes to their social media portfolio, now takes within five to 15 minutes. This is something everybody should be concerned about because it doesn't matter if you think you're doing something wrong. This data is out there, it will be used against you. There was another story this week about law enforcement using geofencing as the only criteria to request information, which means 
if a crime happens on the street corner of, you know, first in Maine, well, the government can go, law enforcement can go to the phone companies and say, oh, anybody who had a device that the GPS was showing they were within one mile of this location at this particular time, give us that list. And they get it. So it's a very wide dragnet. This data is being requested and given just because you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. They don't have to believe you are a suspect. They don't have to have ever heard your name before. You don't have to be on anybody's radar. But if your phone shows up at the wrong place at the wrong time, you will be investigated. And these are the kind of things. It's a slippery slope, everybody. It's a very slippery slope. The freedom that people once had is disappearing. The best thing you can do is stay the hell off of social media. Don't carry your phone with you all the time because this is a little tracking device that you carry around. And the record of where you are is not your own. So just keep that in mind the next time you're out on a nice fall afternoon, just minding your own business that that data could be used against you. I need to get further into this whole shadow dragon story, and we probably will do that at some point on Grumpy Old Ben's, grumpyoldbens.com, so be sure to check that out. You are now listening, though, to the Random Thoughts Podcast. We work on the value for value model, which means we put these shows out there. They're not behind a paywall. If you feel like you've gotten something out of the shows, it's up to you to put a number on that and reach out to us and get the value back to us and let us know you appreciate the shows that we are putting out. We have two people to thank for today. First, coming in anonymous with a check, $25, and a nice note that talked about how the shows are always different. They always learn something, and we appreciate that comment. We appreciate you listening. And that's the beauty of this show. It is so much something that is pulled out of the air the day that it's recorded. You know, sometimes there are items that I will make a little note during the week that I want to talk about, but it just gives me a chance to be able to vent about things. And I really appreciate the people listening to me venting about things and hopefully enjoying it and getting something out of it. And it's very much appreciated. Then coming in at $15, Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley, who started a monthly subscription to Random Thoughts, which you can do by going to random, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com and clicking that donate button. He started that out last month, and it is very much appreciated. As I said, randomthoughts.com slash donate. You can click the donate button one time or monthly. That's through PayPal. You can use the QR codes or wallet addresses if you want to do the crypto thing. Crypto doing all right today. It's been down overall over the last few days, but it is recovering. There was a story some big Bitcoin whale was buying the dip because that's the one beautiful thing about Bitcoin. There's a ledger you can see which accounts have the most funds in them. And there was somebody who has a ton of Bitcoin who bought the dip the other day when it got down to about 42,000, something like that. So I think crypto will bounce back. The U.S. government's still going after them. So don't put all your money into crypto and feel like it's safe. But it's a fun little thing to play around with, at least for now. And we also have a P.O. Box address that you can find on the website as well. 
If you want to go the snail mail route, you can send in a check or whatever you want. And it all just works. And we appreciate everybody for listening, giving us your time. And of course, all of those who give us your treasure to keep the lights on, the microphone sounding good, the web hosting bills being paid and all of that. It's all very much appreciated. I will be back next week on Wednesday to talk at you again. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.